What is going on, everybody? I hope you're all having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 15th episode of Season 2. And I am super excited today because we are doing our first division divisional breakdown. We are breaking down the NFC East division, talking about why Kenny Galladay may be a bust in the Big Apple, why Zeke is honestly undervalued at this point, why Curtis Samuel may be just getting started, and why Jalen Hurts has me head over heels for him. Joining today, joining me today is one of the biggest up-and-coming stars in the fantasy football industry. She is a New York Giants fan that went from 200 Twitter followers in October of 2020 to over 12,000 just months later. She's a member of FTN Network's team and is the host of her very own show, Small Talk. She is Steffi Smalls. What is going on, Steffi? What's up? That's such an awesome welcome. I'm so excited to be here and finally chatted up with you. Um, and yes, I am a Giants fan, but I'm excited to break down this division. It's obviously something that's near and dear to my heart and also how I got my rise. I originally was just writing for a Giants site talking about injuries. So really? this, is, this is my stuff. Yeah. Do you think this is a potential long-term thing for you? I think so. It seems to be going that direction. I told myself I was going to take that semester off of med school and uh, the opportunities kept coming by August. Then we took the full year off and then go from there. So we'll see. I'm taking it every day at a time. You know, you can always go back to med school, but I don't know if the opportunity to talk football every day for my life is going to be there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. But I think it's great that you have two two very solid options no matter what you decide to do. And I think that is something that is really cool to see. But let's let's get right into it with your team itself the Giants let's start off with our man Danny Dimes are you a fan of Danny Dimes fantasy wise going into next season you probably know him better than I do because you watch all their games I like his breakout potential with all these weapons what do you think Mm -hmm. about Daniel Jones and fantasy yeah I think that Daniel Jones is one of these players that gets a really bad rep and everyone's ready to give up on because you know the word turnover at some point I actually had both of those words muted during the season because I couldn't take it anymore um I think that a lot of people fail to realize that last year before they went and added all these vets, we're looking at a team that's the youngest in the league. You have an O-line that has starting rookies, Andrew Thomas with a broken foot, Cameron Fleming, who in my opinion is the worst O-lineman in the league, uh, tripping everyone over. Uh, he was the second most uh, sacked QB. You know, the ceiling here is very high. You lose Saquon. Daniel really had nothing to work with. And then you have, you know, Mr. Vanilla and Jason Garrett, which obviously wasn't helping. Ingram and Slayton together lost the team 46 points. It's a little bit higher on my own film. But, you know, could you give him, like, the kid has so many weapons now. Uh, you look at Galladay, a lot of people also forgetting they added Ross as well. You could see Ross being a guy that comes in and gets one two I can't believe I'm saying two because they were really such a sedated offense but I think Daniel Jones is now in the position he's he's really going to either boom or bust I think this year and I I think that the ceiling to boom is a little bit higher he's also one of those uh dual threat QBs that we love so much the dude's mobile he's very fast and he's an awesome deep ball passer and I know that came to a lot of people's shock that he actually is the best deep ball passer in the league which seems surprising because you didn't see it a lot but I think now you have the weapons so are we going to see that so can Jason Garrett and the O-line pull it together and help Danny out and uh you know he has everything he needs now so let's see how it goes no I, I absolutely love that and I think one of the things I'm sure as a Giants fan that is is pretty gratifying to see is that the fact that even Gettleman as much as crap that he takes from everybody He's giving Daniel Jones the weapons that he he needs to succeed to see, oh, can he do this or can he not? Because we've seen so many 
times over and over again hint any team with Adam Gase that they don't always surround the team with all the we- necessary weapons that you need. And I love the fact that he has the chance to do that. Speaking of that fact, what about Saquon Barkley coming back? He is going to be a big help for Daniel Jones at running back four right now. That might be a little high considering the injury stuff and people coming off their ACLs first year sometimes can be a little dicey. Are you in or out on Saquon Barkley at RB4 right now? Oh boy, you said I had how much time on this show? Uh, this is something I'm very <laughs> passionate about. I, I keep a lot of my giant stuff now behind my Patreon because it's just much easier that way for me. But Saquon Barkley, there's really no reason to be concerned, especially if you know the name Adrian Peterson and what guys Adrian Peterson were able to do. Saquon Barkley, uh, to give the Reader's Digest, he did a prehab, which is something that they do now in injuries. His MCL actually healed entirely on its own. They didn't touch in surgery. He didn't have meniscectomy, which is where you see a lot of issues later on or why you see arthritis in guys like Todd Gurley down the road. And also, though, something, uh, you know, a fact that, you know, I'm not a big numbers person. I tend to just call it how I see it. I'm more on film. But something that a lot of people fail to realize is, Daniel and Saquon have only started 11 games together. Wow. It's And out of uh, Daniel's, I think it's 26. Uh, it's only 11. I mean, we haven't seen them play together. And we all know what Saquon's able to do. I think, you know, they added the depth at running back. They also added other weapons so that you're not relying on one person. And that's something the Giants have been known for is, you know, it's the use and abuse Giants. Even Freeman got hurt because you try to force one player to fit a role that he can't fit. So I think the uh, pressure is coming off a little bit and uh, they're example like they're highlighting uh that they want his longevity and they're taking care of Saquon now so it's going to come down to how productive can this offense be but you know Saquon's a guy look what he did in two years even the one that he had the high ankle sprain uh and he came back in remarkable timing he's obviously a great athlete so I think he's one of those players that regardless I'm still in on in fantasy even if Daniel Jones blows it you're gonna get numbers from Saquon really yeah, I know. I absolutely agree. And I, I think that I would say to people that if, if RB4 is a little too high, like I think I, I personally right now might take someone that's a little safer, like Alvin Kamara or Zeke, I think right mm-hmm. now are guys that I'd be willing to take over Saquon just because of the injury concerns. But I think the other thing that I have to say is a little concerning. You talked about the use and abuse giants. With all these weapons now, maybe there's a chance we don't see that as much, which I mean, I think could mean, especially in half PPR, PPR leagues could mean a lot right. less target volume, especially because Saquon had... I mean, I have it right right here, 91 receptions and 120 targets in 2018. I don't know if that that target ceiling is there, especially with the guys they have, especially going into our next guy. When you add someone like Kenny Galladay in, you're going to hopefully check down less to Saquon, especially when you have the best deep ball passer in the league. So why are you checking down to Saquon at the end of the day? And that leads right into Kenny Galladay who I'm not a huge fan of at wide receiver 22, just because I think of the inconsistency. And like we just talked about, probably the lack of the target ceiling is just not there for me. He only played five games last year. He has a maybe a potential downgrade in in, in QB. So from what we've seen so far, could Daniel Jones boom? Absolutely. But I wouldn't count on it right now. And that's why I'd rather just take someone that's a little bit safer, like a Brandon Ayuk, maybe a Cooper Cup, or even a Jamar Chase if I'm feeling really spicy that day over someone like Kenny Galladay just because of the competition for targets right now. And wide receiver Mm -hmm. 22 is just a little too high for me, especially just because we don't know what this offense is going to look like. And just because of the risk, I'm not willing to take that. Are you willing to take that risk in the Big Apple with Kenny Galladay right now? 
Yeah, so here's my thing with the, you know, the New York Giants is uh, they're not a great fantasy team this year. I, other than Daniel Jones, Saquon, and maybe my headache, Evan Ingram, I don't know that I'm investing a lot in these guys. I kind of prefer to take, you know, a Tony or a Ross Lee. And, you know, if the upside's there, that's great. Love that. I actually really like Rudolph this year for fantasy, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, but Galladay, you know, yeah, he's – don't rely on him, I think. as If you're going to go and rely on Galladay as a wide receiver one, it's a little bold for me. I think I need to see the Giants offense produce at a level uh, that shows uh, productivity because I don't think we've had that yet. So if they're productive, yeah, Galladay could be a guy that's getting several touchdowns a game – or are we going to see a Giants, which I think this is kind of the route that they're uh, headed down, is I think they're basically getting a weapon to highlight all of Daniel's talents, and it's going to be like every touchdown is coming from a different player kind of thing. Uh, that's kind of the route I see them going. I see them using Ingram to pick up guards. So I think it's going to be this uh, happy marriage of every player which is cool for a Giants fan because I think that they will be successful this year. I think we're going to see uh, more wins than we did last year. But for fantasy, other than Daniel Jones and Saquon and, you know, my sneaky Rudolph, you know, I'm not a huge fan, but Kenny Galladay, I'm sure, will – I think his injuries were crap. I did a lot of research on them, and I think that that hip injury was him not wanting to play for Detroit anymore. So I don't – I'm not worried about him injury-wise. It's more so how many targets are we going to see. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think that's that's the biggest thing. I'm not super concerned about the injury and people that analyze injuries seem to. I mean, like a medical student like you, if it's saying, okay, I think I definitely believe it at the end of the day. If out of just just for crap's sake, between yeah. someone like Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, and Darius Slayton, Shepard is the highest right now at wide receiver 66 in Fantasy Pros consensus rankings. Who would be the guy between those three that you'd be willing to put a dart throw at the end of your bench to potentially go off out of those three? I know it's not, not a lot of great options, but if you had to pick one, do you have a name? Yeah, here's my thing. I'm out on Darius Slayton. Okay. No one can convince me otherwise. A yep. uh, 52.1% completion rate, losing 11 points, and he maybe got past some of the most beautiful balls I did see. I'm done with Slate, and I think Slayton gets pushed out of the playbook. Uh, I'm still pretty high on Shepard. Shepard's coming off of one of his best years. Shepard is not a wide receiver one. I don't know how many times I have to keep telling people that. He is a wide receiver two. He will never be more than that. So, again, now we see this where people are actually able to play the role that they fit, but how many targets is it going to get? So, Sterling Shepard, I still am picking up on because his value is pretty good. I mean, the dude's dropping so many rounds in all of these startups that I'm in. That I'm, you know, I'm taking him in the 21st, 22nd. That's no problem because it's kind of garbage at that point that's left for you. But I do like the upside with Tony. And I, you know, was a little surprised by the pick. But the more I watch his film, I think that he has that explosiveness that Daniel Jones needs on the field. And it wouldn't shock me if we see Tony being, uh, you know, the receiver that ends up getting the most targets. So between Shepard and Tony, Shepard's safer. I think that Shepard still is going to have a role there. Uh, but if you want a ceiling player, Tony for sure. Like if this dude goes and balls out, uh, then, I mean, I've never seen a player like him where – 
you know, my new thing on film is players that have balance. I mean, like the dude gets basically tackled and then still somehow manages to score a touch. It's one of the most, it's crazy, like seriously, a really awesome uh, talent of his. So I think that Tony, that's his benefit. And I think that he'll be a sneaky uh, weapon for the New York Giants. Yeah, I like that. I think I agree that I think Tony is the higher ceiling. I think Shepard's the guy that I would pick, um, especially going to Matt, Matt Harmon's reception perception, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that. Going into last year, Sterling Shepard was actually one of the three players in the history of reception perception that cleared the 85th percentile in beating man coverage that has not had a thousand yard season. And you've seen it's mostly because of injuries, because he's missed games, because he's been Mm -hmm. on pace. He was one of three people to not do it. One of them was Calvin Ridley, who did it. One of them was Calvin, sorry, Curtis Samuel, who we're going to talk about later. And the third was Sterling Shepard. So because of that, and I think that track record and the fact that I'm a huge fan of Matt Harmon, so maybe I'm a little bit biased. Yeah. I think Sterling Shepard would be the guy that I'm getting. I'm not going out to attack him right. in drafts. He's going it's- wide receiver 66 for a reason, but that would be my pick. Yeah, I wrote an article about him actually when the season did end. And I think the title of it was Don't Jump Off the Sterling Shepard Train Yet. It's one of my favorite articles I ever wrote because I feel very strongly about Sterling Shepard and him finally for once fitting the role that he needs to be in this offense. So I know a lot of people think Sterling's going to lose his place, but I'm not buying it. I think that Sterling is going to get used the way he should. And he's a fantastic receiver. I mean, he gets slept on a little bit. He's when he's on and he's on the field, he's a, he's a really good player. And uh, he's consistent too. when the offense is going again, this, the Giants are going to come down to how productive can they be? Can the O-line hold up? Yeah, absolutely. Do you, with going into tight ends, the last position that we're going to cover, I know there's a lot with for Evan Ingram. I love to hear your take on Evan Ingram as a whole. He's going as tight end 14 right now. But do you have any interest in Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, or even the great tight end Kelvin Benjamin? Does that, does that, uh, I mean, does that sound exciting for you? Benjamin's got to be a K-body. I mean, you know, there's no way. I, he looks good, though. I'm not going to lie. The dude looks good. Uh, but, no, I'm not picking up Calvin Benjamin by any means. I think that, uh, you know, Ingram is a thorn in my side. I want to love Ingram. Uh, it's very hard to love a player that literally costs the team 35 points. I have a hard time loving you, but – in Ingram's defense, he was expected to be the wide receiver one, the running back one, the tight end one. He also was expected to play on the O-line, uh, but he really – he's got to keep those feet on the ground, stop jumping up to get the ball. I think that they'll use him again in an appropriate fashion. I think the pressure will come off. And I think that Ingram just doesn't do well in a high-pressure uh, situation where he's expected to be the main – he was the most targeted guy on the team. And he dropped the most balls, too. So you're looking at a different record without Ingram doing that. So Rudolph, on the other hand, I love. And this is someone you can wait and just pick up off waivers. You don't even need – no one is – I promise you, no one's drafting Rudolph. No one is drafting. I've seen it happen in all these <laughs> these drafts I'm in. But just think about Witten, okay? Witten is, you know – Rudolph is the closest thing that Jason Garrett is going to get to Witten. There is not a player that he will get ever again that is closer to Witten than Rudolph. He's a red zone threat. The Giants love a good tight end in the red zone. Ingram doesn't do as well there. I think we see a lot of production out of Rudolph. It's not going to be a ton of yards, but you're going to, I think we're going to see a lot of touchdowns out of this dude. I think that he fits the scheme beautifully. And also, you know, you throw him on the line, too. I, 
I think that Rudolph will make a bigger impact than people are thinking. I'm not telling you to draft, like pick him up on waivers and let's see how it goes, which yeah. is kind of what I'm doing. And I've done that in every league, but really I think that Rudolph could, he could easily be one of the highest scoring players on this team without a doubt, because he's a fantastic red zone tight end. And that's, that's what they need. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. And like you said, it's someone it's free at the end of drafts. You don't have to pay a capital. Right, or, nothing. Or you, He's you don't, free. Yeah, you don't have to pick someone else over him. It's just someone that's free that you could throw on the end of your bench. And I like mm-hmm. that. I think that with regards to Evan Ingram, that also hurts his value because he's there, yes. because he's going to take away some touchdowns. But I think for me, in the NFC East at least, there's another tight end I would prefer over Evan Ingram that is not Dallas Goddard or Logan Thomas. Just a little hint for later, and I'm excited to talk about that. The next team that I want to talk about is the Washington football team, formerly the Redskins. How about that? The football team, probably one of the worst team names of all time, and I desperately hope that they change that, but it'll be fun to have while they last. I mean, first getting into it, I, mean, I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is not is really not much more than a streamer right now. I think we can both agree on that. He's someone that's pretty polarizing. He's put up some big numbers, but not something that we would probably take for more than a streamer. But the guy that, Steffi, I have to just get right into this because <laughs> – I've I've started to you know develop a little crush on Antonio Gibson the last couple of days, especially after an article on PFF. I mean, last year that PFF, sorry, Antonio Gibson had a 85.1 rushing grade, which is fifth among 47 qualified running backs. He was fifth in missed tackles, fourth per touched. He was 15th in yards per carry. He was tied for 33rd in yards per contact after, sorry, yards after contact per carry. Mm-hmm. And he was number one in stuff rate, meaning that he was not stuffed behind the line. But the biggest thing, before you say anything, this guy was not even a running back in college. He had more like more targets and receptions than he did rush attempts. And he was just fifth in rushing grade in the yeah. NFL for a first-year guy. The ceiling is the limit, and I am starting to fall in love with Antonio Gibson. How do you feel about him? I love Antonio Gibson. Here's the thing about the football team. This is like a fantasy goldmine here. I mean, we're talking about weapons galore. Gibson will go off this season without a doubt. Uh, He could, I mean, him finishing outside of the top 10 would be shocking to me, I think. I feel very strongly about him. He's someone that I was picking up all over the place uh, towards the end of the season. I did just trade him away in one league, and I kind of regret it, but I got good value for him, so I don't feel horrible, and I have a solid running back core there. My biggest concern about the football team is Fitz. I'm worried about Fitz. I am on the other spectrum that a lot of people are. I know it's exciting, and we (laughs) love Fitz magic, but the facts are the facts. He hasn't played six games since 2015 and now we want him to play 17 games and keep up at a very high level so and he's they have a schedule that's not going to be totally easy they play some difficult defenses uh they probably debatably have one of the harder uh schedules in the nfc east so i'm worried about what happens you know i almost maybe if i'm them i probably would have gone with heineke but that you know that's washington's problem i don't know why they didn't trade up and try and get their guy either that shocks me with the team that they have because they could be you know super bowl contenders they looked awesome at the end of the year it makes me sick to say as a giants fan but they're a good they're a good well-rounded football team so ryan fitzpatrick he needs to not get fancy he needs to not try to rush too much. He needs to get the ball to the guys that we all want him to so our fantasy teams win uh, and not get hurt. I, I'm a little worried about Ryan Fitzpatrick playing four quarters of 17 games. It just I don't even know if it's scientifically possible. <laughs> but but that's but that's the point. I think that's, that's also the point of what you're saying right there is because <laughs> if you're not confident, 
that could be a good thing from what you're saying because that probably means that Taylor Heineke could have that job with how how well he played in that playoff right. game last year. I mean, just if Taylor Heineke took over because you said it's probably impossible that he makes it through 17 mm-hmm. games, are you someone that is more of a believer with Taylor Heineke at the helm than Ryan Fitzpatrick? You know, it's uh, Fitz can make such incredible plays, and we love Fitz, but Fitz is the kind of quarterback to me. I, I put him in not talent level, but he, there's a group of guy, a group of quarterbacks in the league that are quarter three, quarter four, save the day quarterbacks. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. Nick Foles. He don't play Nick Foles in quarter one and quarter two. He's not going to do anything for you unless he's making a Super Bowl run. Okay. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of those guys. He hasn't done it since 2015. I mean, I, the dude's 38 years old. So Heineke, I think whoever is Fitz is probably a better guy to have in fantasy wise, but I don't think they'll be super less productive with Heineke. We haven't seen a lot of Heineke, though, except for, you know, so that's a hard one. I don't know that I'm picking up Heineke anywhere. Like, I definitely don't. I'm not going to lie. He's not on my bench anywhere. <laughs> but I still think they're going to be productive when, eventually when Heineke comes in. Yeah. No, I mean, I think from from the ownership percentage, I think the only people that have Heineke are probably his mom, his brother, <laughs> and maybe, maybe his, his second cousin. First, yeah. cousin. first cousin's not on him, but the second one definitely <laughs> Yeah, they're is. out. They're out. Absolutely. You know? I, I don't even know if his sister has him on her team. <laughs> no, she doesn't believe in him. She never has and probably never will. But what about Terry McLaurin? Terry McLaurin, I, I, I'm probably against the consensus and the fact that I don't love him right now because in two years, whether you can call it whatever you want, quarterback play, injuries, doesn't matter. His highest finish was wide receiver 21. And the fact that people are taking him at wide receiver 12 right now is a little concerning. Granted, is there anyone after him that I'm dying to take over him? Not exactly. But I just don't love the fact that he his best finish last year was wide receiver 21. Of course, with Fitzmagic or Heineke or something, he's going to have better quarterback play. And everyone's already projecting that forward. But I just I feel like people are drafting him a little bit at his ceiling right now because he just hasn't put up the numbers. And I think that, like you said, people might be a little too excited about the fact that, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick averages like 147 targets to his number one wide receiver, even though Terry McLaurin had 137 last year. So it's not like he's getting this crazy new, like potential like AJ Brown target volume that he's never hit before. He's gotten 10 targets in a game before. So I, Terry McLaurin's a guy that I'm just a little scared of because I think people are projecting him above too highly and almost at his ceiling. Are you in or out on Terry McLaurin at his ADP of wide receiver 12 right now? I'm a little bit with you on that. I think that, you know, there's no one that I'm definitely going to be thinking ahead of him at that point, but I'm not someone that's going and reaching for him. I'm not totally bought. I'm bought in. I think he'll be productive. I think Fitz is much better for him because if we do get a situation where Heineke comes in, I think we're just going to see Gibson continue to go off. Also, this is another team where they're much more productive on office than the New York Giants, but You've got rookie Diami Brown. You've got Curtis Samuel. There's some wide receivers over there that could compete. So uh, it's going to come down to who ends up being this guy and how how they run that playbook, too. Nick Warren could easily fall out of that. He also could jump up, too. He's one of those guys where I don't think you're going to not get points out of him. I'm just – he's not he's not one of my go-to wide receivers. Like, I'm taking a younger guy like Justin Jefferson immediately. I'm not going to go and, like, try and read for McLaurin. Uh, this is another, you know, like, just like the Giants. There's a lot of – and I hate this phrase. I cannot believe I'm using it. There's a lot of mouths to feed, okay? I said it. Uh, but it really is. There are a lot of mouths to feed, so – we have to see what the transition will be, too, because at some point we're going to see Heineke. So it's going to affect some of these players. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think like I, I as much as I love Terry McLaurin, I think he's going to produce too. I'm not saying I think Terry McLaurin yeah. is going to be bad. I just think at his given value right now, he's not going to live up to that. And I'd rather take someone like Curtis Samuel at wide receiver 39 that could give me similar, not similar value, but I think he's someone that is going vastly underrated. Curtis Samuel has played four years, Steffi, four years in the NFL. He's increased his catches, receiving yards, rush attempts, and rushing yards all four years of his career. And I already mentioned with Matt Harmon last year going into last summer, he was one of three receivers ever to beat the 85th percentile beating man coverage and not have a thousand yard season. He still hasn't done it yet, and this could be the year. I mean, it's not like he he's going to struggle with a downgrade of quarterback play. He had, like, mm-hmm. Kyle Allen, Will Greer, I mean, Taylor Heineke, and, and Teddy Bridgewater, who I don't – I just – I'm not super high on Teddy Bridgewater. So I don't think he can get any worse at quarterback play right now. And I think with the fact that he's consistently gotten better, Matt Harmon believes in him, and I believe in Matt Harmon. Mm-hmm. Curtis Samuel is a guy for me, especially at wide receiver 39, that I think is a big sleeper that could really break out and even take away some of that like target share because it's not he's not Steven Sims that's going to be taking away a couple deep targets. Right. I mean, I think he's a guy that's going to absolutely improve this offense, and I'm I'm a big believer in Curtis Samuel. Are you are you feeling Curtis, the same way? Yeah, Curtis Samuel. Let's be clear about one thing. Just like I say, I don't love the numbers. So I'll just make this very clear. Curtis Samuel is good at football. (laughs) He is going to be very good on this offense. I think he hasn't been in an explosive offense that I see Washington be. I think that that connection between Fitz and Curtis Samuel is beautiful. I I think that that outlook is uh, prettier to me than the McLaurin one. I could see, you know, these are both guys that have been in the league for a little bit. There might be a little bit of chemistry there too. I'm excited. I, I'm all in on Curtis Samuel. He's someone I'm picking up. Cause like you said, I mean, his value is ridiculous right now. People suddenly, I guess, I think McLaurin is probably affecting that. Uh, but I also think that if Washington was super confident, I don't know that they take Diami Brown either. So, you know, there's got to be some, there's someone's a little worried somewhere because we took Diami Brown. uh, And I mean, I think Diami Brown, he's a fantastic wide receiver as well, but I'm all in. I would rather have Curtis Samuel than another one of these wide receivers. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I like that. What about Logan Thomas? Logan Thomas is, is a little weird just because of the fact that he's 30 transitioning from tight end. Everyone loves transitioning from quarterback to tight end nowadays. But Logan Thomas is one of those guys that has seemingly done it successfully, almost like Darren Waller. I'm not saying Logan Thomas is Darren Waller. I don't need anyone coming after me like that. But <laughs> I, I really like Logan Thomas, but I think that his tight end nine ranking is very fair. I would just prefer to draft a tight end earlier. I'm not a super big believer in him. Mm-hmm. I thought last year was the round of the late year, the late tight end, and it just did not work out well. But this year, I love the top eight guys. I mean, I love everyone above Logan Thomas, and I think Logan Thomas for me is just a little too risky. I'd just rather end up with someone else that's a little bit safer pick at tight end this year. But I think that Logan Thomas is decent value, but like, there's more competition for targets. Yeah. Antonio Gibson's supposed to run more pass routes. Terry McLaurin's going into year three. I mean, Curtis Samuel, I'm saying, is a breakout. There's Dynamic Brown. I just don't think there's there's too many, like you said, I don't we don't like the phrase mouths to feed, but I think there's just so much target share going on right now that I just I'd rather just take a tight end earlier and feel a lot better about them than draft like a Logan Thomas or a Robert Tunyon that I just don't think is gonna get the target share needed. Right. Absolutely. And it's so funny this what I was trying to look for is I saw projections today and uh, one of these analysts projected that Logan Thomas is going to have 101 targets. Logan Thomas will not have 101 targets this season. I think that is a huge overestimate. Uh, 
he might, I mean, I, I just don't see him being uh, this main guy over there with all the explosive guys that they have. It's no knock to Logan Thomas. I don't see him filling one of these, these main playmaker guys. When you've got guys like Curtis Samuel, you've got Gibson, uh, you know, you've got McLaurin. I don't love Logan Thomas. I also am a little funny when it comes to tight ends. I'm the person that takes, I'll take a tight end in the first round. I don't care. I want to sleep at night. If it means I can have Waller, Kittle, or Kelsey, fine. Great. That's awesome. I don't have to worry. Uh, it didn't work out as well last year with Kittle, but that's a whole nother story. I, I would rather, what I would rather do is I like a guy like Johnu Smith. I think Johnu Smith you get for great value. I feel more confident in him and the Patriots running a 12 personnel constantly. Uh, he's a good receiving tight end and he's falling really, really late. So I would rather go with someone like Johnny Smith than risk it with someone like Logan Thomas. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the only way that Logan Thomas, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, you're not drafting at tight end nine for them to, to meet value and finish at tight end nine. You're drafting a later round tight end because you think that they're going to take the next step. And John U. Smith is someone that can do that. But unless Logan Thomas has a Robert Tunyon 59 target, 11 touchdown season, I just don't see where it is for Logan Thomas. And unfortunately I am off, but I love the story going from the quarterback to the tight end. And that is that, but I, I don't know how I missed this. I went right over them on the show sheet, but let's talk about the Eagles. So Steffi, let's talk about the Eagles Jalen Hurts, I mean, people that listen to my podcast know that I'm so far in love with Jalen Hurts. He is my QB6 right now. I mean, especially, I could go on and on and on. I'm not going to do that today because I've given the take too many times already. But at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts was the QB3 from weeks 14 to 16. For the people that are waving their arms right now and jumping up and down because it's only three games, I'm fine. I'll give you the Washington football team game. And he was the QB7 over those four weeks. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Jalen Hurts is 52 completion percentage, whatever. All the stats you don't like, he was QB3 over those three weeks, QB7 over those four weeks. They're, like we talked about, the dual threat quarterbacks that people fall in love with. That is getting us value no matter what you do. And the fact that you add someone like Devontae Smith in that, another year with Miles Sanders, a potential new offense that's geared around Jalen Hurts, not the Carson Wentz offense that didn't work with Doug Peterson. I think Jalen Hurts has a lot of potential. People are tired of me hearing about him. Let's hear you talk about him. How do you feel about Jalen Hurts going into next season? Uh, he's growing on me a little bit. I'm not super high on him. He makes me nervous on film. He's one of those guys that gets a little panicky and then uses his feet, which is his upside. And it's beautiful uh, to get out of the way, but he really loves to take a tackle. Like he, he, we're going to have to limit that a little bit because we're going to get hurt, bro. So my faith, I have faith in Jalen Hurts. I do not have faith in the Eagles system. Okay. That's enough. where I have a problem. I don't think it's a pretty picture over there. I think on paper, yeah, there's arguments for sure. I don't like the young coaching staff. I think there's a lot of components. I can't, And you know, it stinks because I think Jalen Hurts, if he doesn't perform, will probably lose that job, which is unfortunate because he definitely has the potential. I definitely have him higher, especially in uh, re my redraft rankings. He's not quite... Not quite my QB six. I could I couldn't give him that much, but he definitely has again that mobile upside. And I think even if the Eagles stink, here's the thing with the Eagles: 
they're a little bit of a cheat code. They're kind of like the Falcons and the fact where, you know, I don't really care what their defense does. There's going to be a lot of high scoring games, no matter what they're going to be on the field a lot. It doesn't matter if their defense sucks. No one cares. The Falcons and the Eagles will be great for fantasy. Uh, you know, I, I think there's something too. also getting Smith having hurts their buddies, you know, we're going to see a lot of that chemistry and how we see that on the field. So I'm definitely, you know, I'm not reaching for Hertz like some people. He's someone that I think I'll take more in redraft. I don't know. I've been taking him in best ball a lot, actually, but I don't know that I have. I think I have two shares of him in Dynasty. So I'm not totally sold because I am someone that wants to see more more film on him, more games on him. But that's because I'm a film person, not an analytics person. But I, I am I'm I am warming up to the idea of him. I will admit I was not I was not amused uh with him going into this offseason, but I think I'm warming up to the idea. Like, I think he's my, I think I have him as like my QB 11 or 12. So I'm not low on him by any means. I, I think he will be great for fantasy. He's definitely someone people should draft. Um, I'm definitely taking him over other guys that I think will not, are not going to do as well, This, but that's a whole nother story. But I do, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in on Jalen Hurts, but I'm probably taking Daniel Dimes over Jalen Hurts. In that's fantasy. how I feel. In fantasy yeah. or real life? Um, uh, probably both. Yeah. That's how I, I think his ceiling okay. is high. So he's All either right. going to blow it and I'm going to hate him and it's cool. I'll get on board <laughs> with everyone else. Uh, but I think if he does, I think he's going to shut some people up this year. So okay. I like his mobility. I, I, they both have mobility. You know, I think that the NFC East has way more talent than everyone thinks because they were so crappy last year, but we're going to see, you know, there's big names this year to watch out for. And the Eagles definitely have some of them. Yeah. Well, I think the only thing I would say that I think that right now Jalen Hurts going at QB9 is almost a low ceiling. Like, I mean, like the part, I can't yeah. think of the word right now, but I think like that is almost worst case scenario unless he gets injured. Because right mm -hmm. now I'm looking at the fantasy points leaders for last year. And mm -hmm. after QB10, he's going as QB9 right now. The only real rushing quarterback that was there, like that didn't finish in the top 10 is, is Cam Newton. And then, I mean, Danny Dimes. Those yeah. are the only guys that I think rushed for over 400 yards last year that did not finish as a QB1. That's why I think it's the ceiling because I think that people just don't realize how high that rushing floor is, and I think I'm banking on right. that. I don't like Jalen Rager. Frankly, I don't really love Devontae Smith that much. I don't mm -hmm. love Zach Ertz that much. I don't love any of those guys, but remember with Lamar Jackson in 2019? No mm -hmm. one loved his weapons. That's why I was off him, and I got proved so wrong. I just think the rushing floor is too high for him not to do yeah. well. But again, that is enough about Jalen Hurts. Let's you can't on. sleep on mobile quarterbacks, Thank no matter you. what. That's I don't care who it is. They're going to have big games yeah. They can because they can run. Uh, Daniel Jones still had weeks uh, more than – I think at least half of his weeks, he still was scoring over 16 points, and he was still out of those. Most of them were 20-plus point games. Uh, and the year before that, he put up a 30-point game. He's not a bad quarterback uh, for fantasy. So, But it sucks because they're in systems where that might fail them. Yeah. And I'm not high in the Eagles. I do not think they're going to do well. Yeah, real, life, real, real life thing, I'm not high. And I think the other reason I'm like I agree with you where I'm not high is I think Miles Sanders is where it leads into me that I'm not high because on paper, I think Miles Sanders is a value. He was the running back six during Hertz's three big starts last year and the running back 16 if you count week 17 where Hertz didn't even play in the second half and they had Nate Sudfield competing. And I think that took Miles Sanders' value down. But right now, he's being drafted as the wide receiver 18 when he was the wide running back 16 at worst last year if you consider that last stretch. But I think obviously there's a lot of competition for running backs, especially with Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, 
I mean, carry on Johnson, all those guys. And I think this is where I don't trust the Eagles coaching staff. And I'd rather take someone that's a little bit safer around that area, just because with all those running backs, we've seen all the times those headache committee committees that we all know and hate. And I just don't think that Miles Sanders is going to be able to break out of that. But I think the potential is there. I just don't like like what you said with the new coaching staff, all the competition mm-hmm. at running backs, even at running back 18. I'd just rather take someone else. Are you in or out on Miles Sanders? I'm out. I think that Miles Sanders is a little bit overrated. I felt that way for a while. Um, and again, you know, it's the Eagles. If he was on another team, I might be a little bit more in on him. I'm not in on him because it's the Eagles. And I think that Jalen Hurts has proved he's going to be like RPO City. And I think that he's going to run a lot or he's going to just yeet the ball down the field to Devontae Smith. I think that's what we see a lot of from them this this season and I don't know you know Miles Sanders sure he's probably gonna finish I think around where he did last year if not a little lower so I'm not big on Miles Sanders I think there's a lot of running backs that like I would even you know I'm a little bit with James Conner truther I feel safer with James Conner actually than Miles Sanders because I don't believe in this system I don't I just don't get how this scheme is gonna work there's a couple teams I feel that way about the Jets are another one like I just don't get how the pieces are gonna go together Yep. No, I totally agree. But here's the other thing that I just to add to the, I mean, Miles Sanders argument, Miles Sanders is going as running back 18 right now, running back mm-hmm. 16, JK Dobbins, running back 17, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and running backs 19 and 20, not 20. I don't really want to talk about 20 with David Montgomery, but running back 19 going a spot after Miles Sanders is Chris Carson. And like a Chris Carson, I've talked about on the podcast before he was a guy that produces big numbers without big snaps. He only played over 60% of the snaps in three or four games last year. So no matter what Rashad Penny does, unless Rashad Penny, I don't know, becomes the workhorse back Carson is going to produce. So why are you drafting Miles Sanders ahead of Chris Carson? That's where he's going in eight. Right. right now it just doesn't make sense to me and how many times do they have to tell you they want to run the ball they're gonna run the ball do you exactly. get it like that how many times do you want to hear that's not coach talking often like they literally are going to run the ball i promise you they're going to run the ball it's going to happen uh chris carson is definitely one of the most disrespected backs i think in this league he is a phenomenal back uh and he gets i i've been watching him fall i'm, I'm snagging him everywhere now he's dropping so far down which is absurd to me um but again that's some one to me much safer option and also higher ceiling so why do you take miles sanders where you know maybe the ceiling's there it's not, not that safe and but i think right there with chris carson you, you're secure and you know you're gonna get the point so I, it's someone like chris carson all day and there's also you know uh there's a lot of running back competition over there i kind of i like i like boston scott i like him i'm not gonna lie uh he won me a bunch of my redraft leagues because he's a he could be sneaky good and he demonstrated that so he's someone you know you can wait till the very end of the draft and grab him and he's someone that you know if you have an, a running back at hurt or you know miles sanders does go down boston scott's a, he's a great option to have to play if you need to yeah no I, I totally agree with that and even i mean even going off the last thing i want to say about miles sanders I'd almost be willing to take someone like Miles Gaskin or Mike Davis, not because of the talent, just because of the situation and the volume that they're definitely going to get. And I just think that's a lot safer than whatever Miles Sanders is going to get. So I think that's why I would take someone like that. But what about, I mean, I hate to say it, but is there any anything exciting for you in the receiving core for the Eagles? I mean, Jalen Hurts, I'm sorry, not Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith 
is the highest wide receiver being drafted for the Eagles right now at wide receiver 41. And I just don't like, there's a lot of potential target volume, but I just don't like him in this. Like, I just don't like this offense enough as a passing. I mean, I, I love Jalen Hurts. I just don't know who's going to break out, whether it's Rager, Devontae Smith. I'm off of those guys, but I don't like those guys that much. So I might as well lead into that with Dallas Goddard, who's going as the tight end seven right now. Or I mean, he played 79% of the snaps every healthy game, even with Ertz. So I don't think the snap share is a concern for Dallas Goddard. And I don't really – I mean, Zach Ertz, I just – I think he's going to be traded. I think he's going to be gone. But I'm not worried about the snap share with Dallas Goddard. Please just give me a little bit about Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard. Are you yeah. in on any of those guys with everything we'd already talked about? Uh, so I am in on Devontae Smith. I'm a little bit of a Devontae Smith tr uh, truther being that I am more film than analytics. Um, Devontae Smith is probably the most NFL-ready wide receiver, in my opinion, coming in. I think that he has that balance that I talk about. You know, uh, People talk about his BMI. You have to catch him to hurt him. Uh, he has. He is very intuitive, has a very, very, very high football IQ, one of the highest that I've seen in a while. Uh, this dude knows what's happening before it happens. And I think that he will be a weapon for Hertz over there. So I do like Devontae Smith. But with that being said, I'm not like he's not going to be the first rookie I'm drafting. If I have a low uh, spot in a rookie draft and he's still there, yeah, I'm going to take him because I think that he will have a long – I think we're going to see a lot of Devontae Smith uh, for years to come. Rager, I'm out on. I don't care. You, no one's going to convince me. I'm done. I, uh, I have quit uh, the Rager bus. Goddard's interesting, uh, but again, like – I'm taking someone like Jonu that I know there's going to be a lot of tight end action. I feel safer with that. I don't, I don't love Goddard, but I also don't think he's bad. I think he's a, he's like, you know, we have uh, the Holy Trinity, which is Kelsey Waller and Kittle. Uh, then uh, Pitts comes into the question a little bit. And then you kind of have these guys, it falls off uh, a little bit there. I think there's this mid tier kind of, but you're really only getting the same amount of points out of a lot of these guys. So it just depends. I think tight ends is kind of a crapshoot a little bit. I think that we'll see new guys immerse. I think some people will play better, you know, like Ingram. But again, Goddard, not a fan. I'm not really a fan of the Eagles in general. I'm not a fan of taking their players. But uh, like, I'm definitely not taking them in Dynasty. Redraft, I might have more Eagles players. But, you know, with Ertz being gone, which he will be gone, he has no interest in playing for that team. He's been very, very, very clear about it. Uh, his landing spot is interesting. I would keep an eye on that. If he lands somewhere like the Bills, I think that's fantastic. You know, they had the fourth lowest uh, tight end targets in the entire league. So you add another weapon, I think that you'll see Ertz do fantastic on a team like that. My dream would be the Cardinals, but because they literally don't have a tight end. But uh, I think that, you know, he's going to get more targets. But are we going to see the playbook change? I mean, this is going to be a different Eagle. So I don't know what to expect. I'm a very anxious fantasy player. Uh, I like safer and proven. Yep. And then I like to take my risks on other guys. Uh, I'm not taking a risk on Connor. Like, that's just silly to me. I just don't see that being – That's I don't. that doesn't sound like it's going to pay off. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I'd rather take the seven above him, like with the Holy Trinity. I mean, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Noah Fant. I mean, I don't like the offense, but I love Noah Fant. Um, DFB encounter Drew Ozenchuk had done it. He's talked about him on his podcast, made threads about him. Yeah. I love him. And then uh, David Gautieri, I don't I don't know how to say his last name, but yeah. he just made a big threat, a threat about Noah Fant. 
I'm big in on Noah Fant this year, and I think I'd rather take him over Goddard every day of the week, especially when he's going a spot after Goddard. Um, the only thing I have to say about Devontae Smith, the reason I'm not super in on him in a redraft at least, I think Dynasty, like you said, I think he's a good value. But wide receiver 38 and 39 in redraft right now is Jerry Judy and Curtis Samuel, and I would rather have those guys than Devontae Smith at wide receiver 41. So, I mean, I think that – I don't have to say anything more of that because I think that that kind of solves – I didn't know Judy about. was so low. Exactly. Crap. See, maybe I should look at numbers more. Um, <laughs> that's what happens when you all you do is, like, watch film is, like, I don't even see – I just am taking my guys all the time and I don't even realize, you know, people probably think I'm crazy. I've been taking Judy really high, kind of. People are probably cracking up at me. They probably are laughing their butts off. I didn't know he was that low. Yikes. Um, I think Cortland Sutton will probably be the, the lead over there, but Judy is, like, one of my favorite wide receivers. I think he's fantastic. I think he's going to have a big year. Yeah, no, I absolutely love him. Steffi, let's move on to our last and final yeah. team of the day. America's favorite team, maybe not for football, but maybe for fantasy football with all the value. I think they they might just be, if it's not the Bengals, it might be the Cowboys for America's team fantasy-wise if we're not talking about the Chiefs and the other big contenders. Um, let's start off with the man, the myth, the legend, Dak Prescott. How confident are you in his return to being a top five fantasy quarterback this year? Da uh, Dallas, look at me. Uh, Dak is my QB too, and I feel very strongly about that. I mean, the dude was on pace for an absurd season. I almost made him my QB one. I was very close to doing that. I think there are a couple questions around the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are another team. This is a gold mine here. Uh, it's going to come down to what's up with the defense and with everyone coming back and the O line can shape it up. Uh, but regardless, even if they don't, I think that Dak is again he's a he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league maybe ever actually and I can't wait to see him play uh it's you know obviously hard for me to say I might I'm like gonna vomit my mouth saying it but I think that you know Dak is a phenomenal player I hope that he rebounds from the two surgeries and nothing you know I hope it just all goes smoothly for him because I think he deserves it Jerry Jones is a jerk so I hope that he shows him how how fantastic of a quarterback he is no I totally agree and I think in fantasy right now in redraft those I think there's definitely a fab five I mean of quarterbacks at the top that I think it should mm -hmm. be those five whether whatever order you decide between I mean Mahomes mm -hmm. Josh Allen Kyler Murray Dak Prescott um, and Lamar Jackson, I think those guys are the top five. That's why I've heard it six. I think those guys should be five. And I think with Dak, who is on pace to be the highest scoring quarterback or second highest scoring quarterback ever through four or five games. I mean, I, I love Dak. But another guy that I love that's being a little undervalued is Zeke. I mean, I think Zeke's a little undervalued, a guy that is perennially, perennially, if I could say that right, um, at the top of the running back position. He was the running back three in fantasy before Dak got hurt, the running back 28 from week six through 16 after, which is pretty rough. But I just love, like, I think that this offensive line is going to be healthy this year. Whether they stay healthy, I don't know. But with everything in this offense, then you add in Dak Prescott, who, Steffi, is one of your favorite quarterbacks of all time. How can you not love Zeke Elliott right now going as the running back seven or running back eight right now. I mean, how can you not be all over Zeke? Please tell me you like Zeke as much as I do. I don't. Oh God, you haven't followed no. me that long. Oh God. Um, I don't hate Zeke. I don't like Zeke though. I think that far a little too high on Zeke. I think, you know, I think that we have seen, I don't know what, what was going on with Zeke last season. Like, I don't like the way he played. I don't okay. want anything to do with that. Does Dak coming back amplify him? A hundred percent. But I'm not taking Zeke in a dynasty league. I'm not doing oh, it. There's yeah. other running backs I'd rather have. 
in redraft, you might be able to pull my leg and get me to do it because I think he will put up the numbers. But, you know, this is another – this NFC East, I'm learning as we're going through – like, we're teams with a lot of talent. You know, C.D. Lamb, I think next year is going to be – I think that Dak and C.D. Lamb connection is going to be fantastic. I am all over C.D. Lamb. That is a player. I don't say I'll reach often. I do reach for C.D. Lamb, and I don't care. I'm going to do it because I really think with Dak back, that's going to be the player to really watch. Another one, too, it's going to be interesting what happens with Tony Pollard. I – you know, I think he's a fantastic back, too, so – you know, I think that that duo right there is we could talk about them definitely being one of the best duos in the league. I think that he showed last year that he's definitely very dynamic and he can be part of that backfield. But uh, Zeke, I'm not out on Zeke. Like he's still in my top 10, yeah. but I don't ha- I'm not as high on him as everyone else. And I know maybe, you know, it's something about it. I think I, I think I'm a little biased here. I don't like his attitude. I don't like his midriff out. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of, I'm turning into like an old lady. It's like, put your shirt down, cut your hair. Like, what are you doing? Uh, so, and maybe, I, you know, I might be a little biased. Maybe I'll talk to my therapist about my PTSD with Zeke. But I think we did see a different Zeke last season. So he's going to have to show me that that wasn't, that was just because he had COVID and a bad attitude, but I just didn't like the way he played. And why was every other player able to still produce and you were not looking so hot? So that I don't understand, uh, but they overpaid for him. So it doesn't matter. He's there. He's going to get the ball. Uh, you don't pay, a, you don't pay a player that amount to not give him target. So yeah. the dude's going to perform, uh, but I'm not, he's definitely not one of the first guys I'm going for. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's a very fair take. And like you said, he's still in your top 10. It's not like you think mm-hmm. he's going to bust anything. Yeah. The reason that I like him so much is just because I think that in fantasy football, there's so much that you don't know year to year. In Dynasty, like you said, I wouldn't be very on Zeke, but in redraft, at least for one for one more year, next year, I don't know. We'll see. But I think the thing that I like about him going at RB7 right now is he's probably one of the safest backs in the top 10 guys that don't have any like a ton of competition. As much as Pollard is great, I just don't think he has a ton of competition because the money they're paying him, the offense that he's in, I just think that he's going to get enough that he's going to finish top 10 no matter what if he stays healthy. And I think that's Let me give I'm you a hot to. take. Please give it to I me. haven't really ta- – I don't really talk about this as much. Okay. I would take Zeke over CMC. Really? I, I would. Can yeah. You, can you please – I'm a little him. nervous about CMC next year, uh, and I won't get too into it because I know it drives everyone crazy, I, and I don't talk about it a lot, but my rankings are coming out, and everyone's going to see that I'm not as high on him. Uh, I don't like sketchy injuries, okay. uh, injuries that I can't follow, injuries that I, the reports are weird. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up with – with the production he's had, there's all, you know, what is that? The 300 plus rule and everyone's calculating that historically you can't do it again, whatever it is. Um, but I think that's another team that we're going to see his targets not be as high as they have been. There's a lot of guys over there. So I don't know. I, I again, I just feel more confident in Zeke, I think, than I do in CMC. I have to see wow. CMC come back uh, and I have to see that he's okay. You know, his whole body's there. We didn't really hear much. It kind of it went from a sh- and shoulder injury can be very nagging in the NFL like so I don't I hate the AC joint injury not a big fan uh he played three games uh and that involved three different injuries so don't love it is some of that maybe them protecting him probably well he's obviously I mean he's CMC's gonna put up top five numbers I'm not saying that CMC sucks it's not my point but I I kind of I like the safety with Zeke there because you know Jerry Jones paid him too much and he's gonna get the ball yeah, I totally agree. Well, 
this is like a, a TV show opportunity, I think we'll call it right here. This is completely up to you right now. You can either leave the listeners on a cliffhanger and make them wait for your rankings, but how many running backs would you take over Christian McCaffrey right now? You can you can leave them and you can say it's coming on next episode and we have the dramatic music and it just leaves. Or you can tell the view the listeners right now, how would you like to leave them right now? It's a tough one. I know I'm putting you on the spot. Top of my head, I there's probably like four guys in dynasty okay. that I would take first. Okay. Uh, that I feel more confident in is all. Well, and you know, it, and it, I know that everyone, everyone thinks I'm insane that I have told this. He's just not my 101. And I think that's okay. okay. He just isn't my 101. I just think that something's going to give there. And I, you know, maybe it's just my gut being crazy. And that probably is the case. He'll probably make me look like a fool, which is okay. Uh, but I just, you know, I feel a little bit more confident in some guys. And there's some younger guys that I'd rather take in Dynasty. You know, CMC still has been in the league. Uh, and I think that there's a couple, you know, in redraft, probably not. I redraft, I probably would still go with him. I'm okay. probably bad. All right. All right. Here, but All right. I love you, CMC. He's a fit. He's one of the best backs, like, that you'll, he's fantastic. This isn't anything about his talent. I'm just worried about his fantasy value. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Thank, thankfully, my, my house was shaking a little bit from all the people getting upset about that. You're going to lose listeners. Yeah. <laughs> you quiet it down, but it gives something for people to click on. I mean, it, that is yeah. perfect clickbait to have for the episode. But yeah. let's move on to the wide receivers and the tight end before we start to close out with our sleepers, yeah. busts, and breakouts. Amari Cooper is a guy that I'm just not super excited about because I love CeeDee Lamb like you do. You are speaking my language, Steffi Smalls, when you were talking about how much you love CeeDee Lamb. I mean, Amari Cooper was wide receiver three before Dak got hurt last year, and I love that. And Amari Cooper was wide receiver 18 in 2018, wide receiver nine in 2019, and he was still wide receiver 15 in 2020 without Dak. And he's going as the wide receiver 16 right now, which is a potential value. But CeeDee Lamb, I was preaching this about Calvin Ridley. I feel like I'm talking about Calvin Ridley in a way right now with CeeDee Lamb. But CeeDee Lamb finished as the wide receiver 16 as a rookie without Dak Prescott after week five. No Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Andy Dalton, and he finished as the wide receiver 16. Mm-hmm. He's going as the wide receiver 18 right now yeah. after he finished without Dak. People talk about, okay, at the beginning of the season, whatever, he had crazy numbers. But with 11 games without Dak, he still ended up as the wide receiver 16, and he's yeah. being drafted as the wide receiver 18. Right. I don't get it. I absolutely love CeeDee Lamb. Right. He's he's phenomenal. I mean, do – whenever people are low on CeeDee Lamb, I'm, I'm like, do you even – like, you don't even have to watch film. Did you watch football? I mean, like, the dude was balling out with uh, – what, what's even the other quarterback name? Oh, ben, De- ben, ben DiNucci. Oh, he's poor, poor guy. Uh, you know, but really, like, Dak was on pace at one point, and this is one of the phrases that I hate is, you know, but he was on pace to throw 6,700 yards. Like, you don't get those numbers from anywhere. I think that Dak will have a 5,000-yard, you know, will season. I'm, pr- that, I'm pretty confident in that. And I think a lot of those balls are going to go to CD, CD Lamb. I think that this, again, these guys are going to be productive. And this is where my knock is on Zeke, is it's like these guys still flourish. What like what was up, dudes? Like, I need you to wake up, pull your shirt down, pull it together, and then I can be back on your train. I can't get, I can't get back on your train yet, man. you got to show me that when Dak comes back, that's the reason. Um, but again, like you said, uh, he's getting totally undervalued. You haven't even seen him with like, and we're not just talking about a good quarterback. We're talking about an elite 
quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in this league, one of the best fantasy quarterbacks that you can have, and you pair him up with that and imagine what you're going to get. CD Lamb? (laughs) It's crazy. I'm absolutely on him. Even Michael Gallup, I think, is a value right now as well, no matter what at the end of the day. He's going as the wide receiver 46 right now. Finished as the wide receiver 36 without Dak much of last year, and he was the wide receiver 30 in 2019. He's not a guy that I'm probably going to go after much to win me my league, but he is a solid value, almost like a a Marvin Jones kind of thing that just always seems to finish above their ADP no matter what we're doing. We don't have to talk about Michael Gallup much because that's just not exciting as CeeDee Lamb. How can you you go from CeeDee Lamb to Michael Gallup? That's just not fun. And we are I don't even like going from that to, you know, the, the tight end. Exactly. I don't, it's like CDM is so fun. It's so fun. And I think Blake Jarwin can, might be a little fun, like kind of like a, a kid's ball pit. Actually, no, the kid's ball pit is way too fun for him to call him a kid's ball pit. I'm sorry about that. But Blake Jarwin, I think, is a guy that's a value right now. He was the tight end 18 after Dalton Schultz, who is far worse and far less athletic than Blake Jarwin, finished the, as the tight end 14 last year without Dak, tight end 12 with Jack. Dak, I think Blake Jarwin is a huge value because of what that offense is going to be, especially at tight end 18 right now. I think he's a guy that is probably going to be a tight end one because Dalton Schultz did it. And are you kidding me? If Dalton Schultz can do it, anyone can do right. it just because of the role in that offense. And I know he's coming back from an ACL, but he is a guy that is hyper-athletic, hyper-efficient in the years before that. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a solid value this year. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. And I think something, and I'll just say it because this is totally my thing. And uh, I'm like the lady that yells at people to get off their lawn. Like one of my things is, uh, is like an ACL injury is not scary. Why are you guys scared of an ACL injury? Everyone acts like we're living in like 300 before Christ. Like this is like crazy (laughs) to me. The medical advancements uh, in and maybe it's just because I'm a little bit of a science nerd and medicine's my thing. I read research for fun. ACL injuries are not a big deal. Do you guys forget that Tom Brady hadn't – he tore his ACL. You want me to talk about all the names? I'm pretty sure Teddy Bridgewater is in there. I mean, we're talking – Adrian Peterson, who came off of his – he came off of his uh, injury and literally went on to have career highs the next two years and win every accolade you could ever imagine. Adrian Peterson's a freak, one of my favorite players ever, but uh, like an ACL injury is not scary. They, they're so advanced now and the rehab is so different and the way that they, you know, and this is also an NFL level too. So that's my spiel. I always have to talk about it because it drives me crazy. Yes. Are there guys that don't recover? Yeah. But that's because in their surgery, there's a reason why they didn't recover or, you know, they had 25 surgeries on their knee already. Like Todd Gurley. That's why he has arthritis because you can't get surgery on the same thing over and over again. Um, but Blake Jarwin. Yeah. I, you know, again, I'm probably going to just go and grab myself like Janu or a sneaky guy like Troutman, who I'm pretty high on, yep. uh, you know, but again, this is an offense that no matter what, even if the defense is a crapshoot, which is they're going to be better than they were for sure. I don't know how I feel about uh, the defense coaching hiring that they did, but that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, but Blake Jarwin's going to get the ball. Everyone on this team is going to get the ball because Dak is back. They're going to be productive. So yeah, I could be in on him, but he's definitely not my tight end. You know, he's on my bench. And yeah. then if someone gets hurt or it's a, a bye week, yeah, I'll throw Blake Jarwin yeah. in. <laughs> he's absolutely a guy that's going to go on the end of your bench that you're taking at the last pick in drafts because there usually aren't like 18 tight ends drafted. Are you kidding me? That's a guy you're going to get the end of your draft that could be a value. And that is the reason that I'm on Blake Jarwin. But let's get on to our final part before the flag plant, our sleeper, bust, and breakout. 
The last part of our show today before we get into the flag plant is a sleeper and a bust in a breakout from the NFC East division. Steffi, who is your NFC East sleeper? So I talked about it and I'm going to, you know, I like to go on shows and not give you the answer that everyone's going to give you. I'm going to come on and give you something that you haven't heard. So I talked about before Rudolph, great value. No one like talk about a sleeper. This isn't even sleeping. This is dead. Like there is no talk about this. I think uh, you look at the playbook over there and I, you know, Rudolph is a fantastic red zone threat that the Giants really need. Uh, Ingram could not shape up and be that last year by any means. And I think you'll see a lot. He's going to end up getting the ball because in getting touchdowns because that's what he's good at and that's going to be his role there. So I see Rudolph end up being sneaky. You know, there's also not a lot of competition in the tight end room. So he could easily step into the question and be competitive here, especially if he's getting the ball a lot. Yeah, especially. And I think he could definitely be a value maybe in the fantasy championships, you know, the Rudolph right before Christmas Eve, that kind of vibe. I mean, I could I could totally see that. I mean, going a little like ho, 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 lead you to your championship. I'm sorry for the cheesiness, everyone, but I, I, I had to say it. I had to say it. My sleeper is Blake Jarwin. I think he's a big value, and I think he's someone that could end up being a top 10 tight end right now just because the offense that he's in, he's hyper-efficient, he's athletic, and Dalton Schultz was the tight end 14 last year, and I think he's a massive increase on that. And as we've seen last year, to be the tight end 10 is not a super high threshold, but I think he is a sleeper, and I think he's someone going to be a value. Who is your NFC East breakout, the guy that you think is going to kind of not take over, not doesn't have to be your wide receiver, QB1, but a guy that you think is going to break out and really go above their value right now? I think that I would be remiss to not say Daniel Jones. I know I'm giving all okay. Giants players, but I'm going to do it because he needs to be fought for. So I'm going to do it. I think that we see him be a breakout. Maybe, you know, there are other guys again, like Steve Lamb. I feel guilty saying that because it's not really a breakout to me. He kind of already did that. You should know his value. I think that Daniel Jones, people are really underestimating his ceiling and how high that ceiling really is being the mobile quarterback uh, that he is. You know, they gave him Tony. They gave him Galladay. He's still a chef. He's still a slate. And he can take one back. Uh, you've got a deep running back room that probably you won't see a lot of. You still have Ingram. You have Rudolph. Uh, and that, I think that it's going to really highlight, you know, his ability uh, to throw the deep ball. And you're going to see him take advantage of that. It's going to come down to that old line. But I think that people are going to be saying, crap, I was a little too hard on Daniel Jones. Okay. I like that a lot. I think I, I love the potential there. And I'd love to see him break out. And <laughs> I'm rooting for, for him, you know, <laughs> or I'm going to be cursing his name. It's going to be one yeah. or the other, you know, because I'll easily, I always admit when I'm wrong, I have no problem with it. Yeah. Uh, and that's what everyone's problem is in this industry is like it's cool to be wrong so if i'm wrong i'm i promise you guys i'm going to be slandering dale jones using the gif of him tripping over all day every day uh but for now i'm on i'm on his side you know joe judge is a great coach so if he believes in him i believe in him absolutely no i i love that and i think i love the potential and i mean at the end of the day Dwayne Haskins eat dust. You you smirked when Daniel Jones got picked, and you yeah. you saw what you did. And Daniel Jones already had a way better career than you probably ever ever will. And there's potential for more. But my breakout, this is something I also just found right now to add to my argument, is Curtis Samuel. What I just found, Curtis Samuel last year was the wide receiver three on a team with Christian McCaffrey, who is in, gets an elite target share as is. So probably the fourth receiving option playing with Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback, finished as the wide receiver 28. And he is going as the wide receiver 39 after increasing his catches, receiving yards, rush attempts, and rushing yards all four years of his career. And now he's 
being dropped 11 spots after going up to the number two option with a probable upgrade at quarterback? Are you kidding me? Curtis Samuel is going to absolutely smash his value. Am I saying he's going to smash the wide receiver 28 that he finished at last year? No, but he's being drafted as the wide receiver 39, not the 28. I think he's going to absolutely smash his value. I'm someone that's a big believer in Curtis Samuel, and I would not be shocked if he ended up as a top 24 wide receiver this year, which would absolutely smash that value and, and do that at the end of the day. But the last thing that we have to finish off with is the bust. Who is your NFC, NFC East bust that you think is not going to meet their value? Uh, so I haven't looked where Fitz is getting taken. I can't imagine it's super high. So I think you know what? Let's let's go with McLaurin here, and that'll be a little spicy okay. for everyone that's very high on him. I think you know you just sold me on this talking about Curtis Samuel. I, I'm a little lower on Fitz than most. I think people uh, think that he's going to walk in there and just be a fantasy machine, going to be fit magic all the time. Uh, Newsflash, he hasn't played that many games since 2015. That's a long time ago. I graduated undergrad in 2015. Trust me, it's a while ago. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm just not buying him playing all, all the games. And I think that that's another thing that'll end up hurting McWarren and, you know, boosting someone like Gibson. Uh, but even the way you just talked about Curtis Samuel, McWarren's, what, what do you say? Where is he at right now? Wide receiver 12. It's too high, exactly. and not not with all these emerging guys, not with Kurt, Kirtland Sutton coming in, uh, not with Jerry Judy having the potential that he has, not with CD, not with these guys. There's too many wide receivers. Even Devontae Smith could easily knock him out of there. Uh, another name that people don't talk about, Waddle. Uh, if Tua can pull it together over there, uh, again, could easily finish over McLaurin without a doubt. Uh, and then even look at the New York Giants. One of these guys could end up knocking him out as well. Uh, if Tony goes off, uh, you never know. There's just a lot, you know, there's a lot of other guys that I would rather have. Uh, and, you know, now and now I'm a truther for Curtis Samuel, I think. And it's funny because I was a little upset when the Giants were going to try to take him. But I like him in this scenario. Okay, I do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, obviously, because that was my take. But yeah, like you said, all those guys you mentioned, and then the guys that are going right after him, like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, I mean, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, I mean, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore. Right. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of guys that could knock him out of the spot. And because he has never finished above wide receiver 21. And don't forget, everyone. A lot of teams here got quarterback upgrades. That is, you know, and I know that this is technically an up. I, I got it. I understand that. But there's a lot of other teams that are getting upgraded this year. And I think, you know, even looking at a team like the Bears, if you get fields in there, looking at a team like the 49ers, if Lance eventually comes in there. I mean, we're going to see a lot of wide receivers that maybe finish a little lower doing much better. You know, even anyone on the, the Cowboys, you get Dak back. There's a lot of things that happen this offseason that are fun. It's like a blast. I love it. Who knows? What if Aaron Rodgers goes somewhere? Don't tell me that Jerry Judy and uh, Sutton will not finish higher than McLaurin because I don't believe you. Yeah, and the last thing I want to say about Terry McLaurin, to, to emphasize the point that you were making, Steffi, with the fact that he's being drafted at a ceiling, the four wide receivers going above him. This is not the top seven. This is wide receivers eight through 11. Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson. If you're telling me that you think Terry McLaurin is going to finish above those guys, you are lying. And that doesn't include your DK Metcalfs, Calvin Ridley's, or your big fours at the top. 
I mean, or even Julio Jones. I'd take Julio Jones over Terry McLaurin right now. That's a hot take, but I think I would be willing to right. do it depending I where he too. goes. But again, like I said, I just think he's being drafted to the ceiling. I don't see the value, especially when I don't think the quarterback upgrade is as big as people make it out to be. My bust, I mean, the thing is, the reason is you didn't pick yeah, a Giants player for this one, so I had to take a Giants player. Of course. To kind of just, of you know, course. One for every <laughs> it position. balances out. It, I know. It balances out. That's Kenny Galladay. I just think the, the competition for targets is too great. I mean, the injury isn't a huge concern last year, but I think it is a concern. He does have the best deep ball passer in the entire NFL, something that does help them. But just because of right now, because of all the uncertainty, I'd rather take someone like a Brandon Ayuk, who I'm all in on, or something like that, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, guys that are more proven and I believe in that have less competition for targets. I'd rather go after those guys. Steffi Smalls, going off of that, my final question for you for today, my favorite question to ask in the podcast, I say it every time, what is your 2021 flag plant, your boldest prediction that you fully believe in? Who is your flag plant? Gosh. So I'll keep it on brand. Just you know, go with. I'm just going to go with a Giants player. <laughs> oh, God. How do I say? I, okay. So I'm going to keep it a little big. So, I, you know, I probably lost everyone with my CMC take anyway. So, uh, Sequel Barkley will finish as a top three running back in oh, okay. And I, 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 I firmly believe that. I think, uh, God willing, he stays healthy and, uh, the Giants are, you know, Jason Garrett can pull it together there. It, it makes no sense to me how this kid doesn't. I mean, the numbers he put up in a horrible, I mean, the dude won offensive rookie of the year in a horrific Giants offense. He has numbers. He has, this dude hasn't even reached a ceiling and he had his two uh, seasons other than this last one, which doesn't count because he was literally one in a quarter game. Uh, I, there's no reason Saquon Barkley cannot finish in the top three. Uh, I mean, if he finished as the RB one, I would not be shocked by any means. The giants rely on him. He's their guy. And I think what happens, this is something I'm noticing now that I'm in the fantasy community a little bit more and on Twitter is you know, people don't see a player and then all of a sudden we start fading him, which is like the most bizarre thing to me. Uh, do you remember who Saquon Barkley is? Are you guys crazy? Do you remember who Dak Prescott is? I mean, these are like the unicorns of the league. These are like, you guys used to put these guys on pedestals uh, the way you put uh, like someone like Kyle Pitts on a pedestal. They're the guys. Uh, they're fantastic players. So, uh, and maybe I'm doing that a little bit with CMC and being a little hypocritical here. But again, I think what Saquon Saquon is capable of doing when he is on that damn field. It's crazy. He's an awesome back. Yeah, I think that's a fair take. The only the only thing that I would have to say where I I couldn't I couldn't be on that train with you, unfortunately, mm -hmm. after all this podcast stuff, which has been fantastic, is just the target volume. I just think with all those mm -hmm. guys that they have, I just don't see enough where he gets the target volume to finish mm -hmm. as a I mean as a top three running back. I mean. Derrick Henry is outside my door knocking. You'd be like, he's like, you you think you can't finish as a top three running back with target yeah, volume? Okay, Derrick sure. Henry, you're right. I'll stop. You can mm -hmm. have whatever. But yeah. I just think that the target volume is not enough for me to get on that train. But yeah. it's called a flag plant for a reason. You believe yeah. when no one else believes. Yeah. That's why I feel about Jalen Hurts. I fight for my guys. Fight, for, fight guys. for your guys. Get your guys. That's my thing. Always yeah. and always. And I don't even own that much Saquon. I just – you know, he's going to be my redraft king, and I, I just believe in his talent so much. Uh, and maybe I'm a little bit of a sucker, but that's okay. <laughs> well, oh, well, but I think that that is a very fair take, and I really like that take at the end of the day. But that 
is it for today. Steffi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. Is there anything you want to plug or anything you're, you're listening or sorry, you're working on that you want to tell the listeners about? Sure. Um, so it's so funny. This is like my ongoing dad joke now is you can find me on your timeline. <laughs> and if not, you can find me at Steffi Smells 3Ls. Uh, this app and fantasy have somehow turned me into like a middle-aged old man with like 12 <laughs> kids. Uh, but for real. So you guys can find me at Steffi Smells 3Ls. My show, Small Talk just came out probably just came out while we were on this show uh and i have a new show coming up that i'm very excited about my own podcast finally something i've wanted for a very long time called off topic uh all those things are with ftn and uh off topic to be fun it's gonna be your your norm for those of you that follow me your normal smalls banter random off topic whatever i want to talk about and then part two i'm gonna have a cool guest come on like an athlete Lawrence signs coming on uh, a bunch of you know someone from media coaches i have a bunch of really cool guys uh lined up i'll be a little bit secret about that but everything else i do uh is that ftn my rankings are coming out you guys can see how i really feel about cmc <laughs> no i absolutely love that that was a fantastic plug and again like i said thank you so much for coming on to the show and for people oh, thank you yeah and for everyone that is still listening right now i would love to hear your feedback on the podcast itself we're always trying to make this podcast the best that it can possibly be so please leave a review i mean you guys already know what to do and i hope you all have a great rest of your day